Welcome to the series Calls a Conversation, where we want to challenge you to think about life related to faith beyond the normal boundaries of right and wrong. Each episode features a different topic and guest, but our goal of exploring the in-between remains the same. By offering these different perspectives, we encourage you to draw your own conclusions. We hope that you leave today with more questions than answers. Thanks for joining our conversation. Welcome to the fifth episode of A Conversation. Today with me is my friend Sage. Hi, Marna. And it's going to be kind of a different episode. She's going to be sharing her story and her experience with going, with being diagnosed with aplastic anemia, which is a really serious disease and very rare, and kind of her struggles and how she got through it. Yes, ma'am. (laughs) <laughs> let's dive on it <laughs> yeah so thanks so much for being here Sage thanks for having me Mona I think it's really cool that you let me come on here because you and I have talked about this before and yeah. I kind of told you the situation that I want to share my story in and obviously I shared in chapel like what a week ago no, no now it'll be like two weeks ago yeah and for those but, of you that heard her story I think it would be really cool it's like more in depth because yeah. yeah, I feel like I didn't really get to do it, you know, justice. It was kind of just more chill, mm-hmm. but we're going to really dig into the dirt here. Let's do All it. Right. So let's get started. For those of you that uh, didn't hear Sage's uh, sharing in chapel, would you like to introduce yourself? It's like a little short blurb. Yeah, for sure. Um, my name's Sage and I'm in grade 12. Perfect. All right. What, <laughs> what was it supposed to be? I don't know anything you wanted. Uh, my favorite color is red. I have a dog whose name is easily 13 years old. Um, I'm study. Oh, I'm. Go- uh, no, never mind. Go for it. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyways, so do you want to give a quick summary of your diagnosis over your life over the past two years? Maybe like five minutes. Yeah, uh, I'll just go back to last September, like September 2019. Actually, no. You know what? I'm going to go back to to May. How's that sound? Okay. May 2019. Okay, yeah. Go back to May. That's great. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so... Where do I start? Well, you know, like, we're having a conversation. I'm a really high energy person, very eccentric, extrovert to the max, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, I have a lot of energy usually all the time, but like last May, April, around there, I started feeling like, oh, like not as much energy, you know? And like, I played softball really competitively last season and I would get like, obviously hit by like people and like softballs and stuff like that. And I would get these huge bruises. Like, do you remember, do you remember the ones that I had last year? Oh, yeah. Like, it was huge. It covered your whole entire shin. Yeah, it was my entire front of my calf. Like, me and my mom thought it was a a fracture or something broke because, like, a human slid into me, like, another person. And she ended up, like, she broke her ankle, but, like, I I thought I was fine. Anyways. um, So, we were like, okay, this is weird. I went to the hospital, got a bunch of x-rays, nothing happened. They didn't even ask for a blood test, and they just sent me home. And I was like, okay. 
and then kind of like the rest of the summer went on and like I had obviously a lot of softball stuff going on in the summer and I was really busy but I just kept getting like more and more exhausted and I would like go to the gym go to work out stuff like this and I would just be out of breath like I would go and like this summer like our last spring break I could run five miles in like I think I cracked like 45 minutes and I was super excited or something like that and um I kept doing that but like my time kept getting longer and longer and longer I was like what the heck is going on I'm like I know I'm in shape I know I'm fast right now like what's happening and um my calves would start like cramping up like at a mile and I was like what the heck is happening I stretched like all this kind of weird stuff and then I had this one tryout um it was August 24th and 25th and I was just so bad and I like, tryout for softball team right yeah, yeah yeah it was for it was for a team like a a travel team in Las Vegas and the first day went fine but the second day was just garbage and I was like I'm like so embarrassed because what was that and it was like it was a tryout where it was invites only so it was like it wasn't any like you weren't messing around and I was like I was so mad at myself because I was like what's happening and then my friend I told her about it and she was like well why don't you just like take your mind off of it we'll go to Kelowna for the weekend or the for the week like a couple days and I was like okay yeah sounds good she had to move in because she goes to UBCO and she was like moving her stuff back from here to there and stuff like that so I was like sure I'll come along so we go up to Kelowna and then we we're there for the first night we're like in her house that she was living in and then I woke up the next morning and I had this migraine so bad and like it was just weird the chronological like everything happening like the bruises the tiredness the migraine I got like that headache was so crazy Mona like I don't know if I've told you this before but like she she's a nurse and she was going into her third year of nursing at this point and I was like I was trying to tell her to get me Advil but I wasn't like speaking because I couldn't like I I had I thought I was telling her can you get me some Advil but she didn't understand what I was saying That's and I was crazy. like what is wrong with this girl like she doesn't know like get me some Advil like, <laughs> honestly I I was so angry too and then like I got this like my stomach started hurting and then I went to the bathroom and I just started like throwing up blood and I was like oh my gosh and she didn't really know what was happening either and it was like a lot was coming up too that this was on a so scary dude it was crazy but also I was kind of just worried about my head hurting you know because it hurt so bad uh -huh. and I couldn't like see straight anyways weird stuff that was on a Wednesday so then um, the Thursday I went to, like, we drove home that day after my headache was over because we were like, we don't want to stay here anymore. It's kind of scary. Like, she was like, we need to call your mom. I was like, don't call my mom. Okay. <laughs> but anyways, we drove home on the Wednesday. And then the Thursday I go to my doctor and um, she, like, looked at me and my face was super pale. Like, I am a like, just, like, a naturally red person. My undertone is naturally red. <laughs> anyway. Um, I'm like, you know, your lips are darker and your tongue's darker than your face too, but my tongue and lips were the same color as my pale face at this point. Yeah. And the doctor was like, oh, I think you're iron deficient. Go for a blood test like later today or tomorrow. But I hated blood tests, which is like <laughs> kind of ironic. <laughs> Every time I say that now, I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> anyways. But um, the next day was actually the Aritzia warehouse sale. So I didn't go Let for a blood test. Let's test Aritzia warehouse sale, you know. <laughs> so I went, and there was like a group of us that went. It was on the Friday. Um, and we went to the warehouse sale, and I was like out of breath, just walking up and down the aisle. We were just walking, like literally walking would kill me. Like I, I couldn't breathe. 
And then, you know, at Waterfront, like, down by the Cactus Club, yes. and you, like, walk up Granville Street, it's a tiny incline. Um, walking up that incline, I had to stop and, like, breathe, and I was, like, I was telling myself, I was, like, you can make it one more light, you can make it one more light, let's, like, come on, and everyone was, like, talking, and, like, like, having so much fun, and I was, like, I can't breathe, like, it was so weird, and then I saw a SkyTrain station, and I was, like, I can't, I have to go home. Yeah. And, like, for me, that's really weird because I'm very, like I said before, extroverted. Yeah. So, like, to be going, like, and being like, guys, I'm sorry, I have to go. And they were like, well, we can, like, come with you. Like, Sarah was like, I I'll come with you. Like, I'll go on the sketching with you. I was like, Sarah, no, it's fine. <laughs> like, it was so crazy. And I was on the SkyTrain way home, and I was like, Mom, I don't know what's going on. Like, I called my mom, and I was like, I don't know what's happening. Something's really wrong, yeah, and I don't know what it is. Yeah, you know about the migraine and the blood puking at this point? Yeah, like, I told her afterwards, and she was like, oh, okay, well, because, you know, you don't want to assume the worst, right? Because, like, yeah, it's just yeah. weird. So, anyways, on the Saturday, I go get a blood test, and then I go to work an eight-hour shift, and it was, um, it was a set shift, so... I work at a golf course. Um, I'm a banquet server, so that means that I, like, go around. But this shift was a setup shift for a wedding, and usually those are, like, pretty intense. You know, you're carrying all the chairs outside. You're going into the shed, like, carrying tables and, like, yeah. setting things up and, like, lifting stuff. And obviously, like, how do I say this without sounding? Like, at your state. No, 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 dude, no, not, sorry, I, it's just, I, I'm stronger than other gals, oh, so I'm, usually I'd be the one, like, lifting things and passing it to them, and they'd be, like, putting the frills on and stuff like that, and I'd be, like, like, you know, like, doing all that kind of stuff, right, and then like, there's this thing called staging, it's so heavy, but no one can lift it, so, anyway, so I was doing all that, but I was getting out of breath so quickly, and everyone was, like, what the heck is wrong with you, like, anyways, so on the way home from work, I get a call from Life Labs, and they're like, you need to get to the emergency room, like, now. And I was like, well, I can't. I have to go eat dinner first. And they were like, well, no, like, it's not, it's not like that. Like, you need to get here. We think something bad could happen. Oh, wow. Because, like, yeah, it was crazy. So then, um, like, my mom started crying. And I was like, what the heck? Like, I was kind of, this sounds so bad. But at the beginning, I was like, oh, my gosh, I get to go to the hospital. Like, people are going to think, like, I'm so cool. And I'm going to get one of those wristbands. And, like, it'll be so sick. <laughs> But dude, oh my gosh. And I was kind of like, it's fine. Like, why are you crying? And I was kind of being like, what the heck is going on? Like, you're freaking me out. We get to the hospital and they go, we need another blood test. Oh, and I'm like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Another one? I just had one this morning. And like, I spent the night at Surrey Memorial. It was crazy. I ended up getting transferred by ambulance to Children's because there's this thing called a bone marrow biopsy and it's like a surgery where they like stick something into your back of your pelvis through your bone to get some bone marrow pull it back out and they're like well we're not gonna do it with sedation and I was like okay um that doesn't sound good to me <laughs> so children's would do it with sedation but the thing with children's is you have to be 16 and 364 days to be a patient and I I turned 17 like two weeks before this oh like just so they're like well you don't qualify sorry and then my mom was like you and she just like went off and she's like she's a child you can't be doing this like yeah. it's crazy for you mom anyways um so yeah i ended up being going to children's and then that kind of like everything just spiraled off from there i got diagnosed with aplastic anemia it's a blood disease yeah that's the whole preface to it anyways yeah so what is aplastic anemia Oh, right. Uh, it's a blood disease. It's basically where your bone marrow just stops producing blood. 
So this is why I was getting so tired. My body wasn't making any more blood. Like it would make like a little bit, but it was just getting less and less and less. And at the end, I think for the two weeks before my body just like wasn't really producing blood. So my platelets were for your body. Oh yeah, no, for sure. And there's a specific protein in your blood called hemoglobin and it delivers a lot of the oxygen. So that's why my legs were cramping and like stuff like that. And they last about two weeks. So me getting there when I did was really important. And my, my platelets, those are the ones that stop you from bruising and bleeding. If you get a cut, they'll come and like help close the cut That's and stuff like that. That's why you have that. these like huge bruises covering your legs. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Even at way at the beginning, because platelets will last around like four days, five days. And when I, what my first blood test, you're supposed to have around 200 or 400 and I was at 11. So it was like, oh, like, <laughs> oh no, like we, this isn't good. <laughs> and then um, my white blood cells, a specific one called neutrophils were really low that's in charge of your like immune system and keeping you from getting a virus or like a lung infection or viral infection, whatever, whatever. Um, they were at 0.4 and they're supposed to be at 1.5 to 6.0. That's a really good immune system. But I th- it doesn't sound that different, but for ev- like someone who's at 1.5 versus someone who's at 1.4, the difference is like huge, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. So you got diagnosed at the end of summer. I got officially diagnosed at the end of September. Okay. Because they can't really give an official diagnosis until they've taken your bone marrow, sent it off to this like laboratory in Sweden who only had the technology to figure it out because aplastic anemia is so rare. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like a one in a million disease. So at the beginning they told me I had leukemia or they were like getting to the, like you have like setting me up for you have leukemia and I was on this like anti-leukemia something drug for like about a month and a half until they actually knew what it was um and in that time they were like well yeah you can go to school if you feel like it like just be careful and everything like don't hug people don't get close and I could go like that's why I got to go on the grad cruise like Emma's mom Suzanne was one of my nurses and she came too so that was really nice um I got to do that which is fun and then I got to like go to school whenever I felt like it which wasn't a lot it was probably I think I went for two weeks in September overall yeah but yeah so what was your initial reaction when you got your diagnosis? I didn't think it was real. I was like, oh, this is like in one of the movies when like the main character gets sick and then she like overcomes it. And I was like, all right, well, okay. I think my mindset from the beginning was like, this is a setback, but we're going to get over it. Like I, yeah. I kind of told myself like, you're okay. You're going to, it's going to, it's just the wall. You got to climb over, you know? I don't know. Yeah. I didn't take it like, oh my gosh, what the heck? Like, yeah. I don't know. It was just never like that. So do you want to describe what happened after September till now? First of all, how serious is aplastic anemia? I think we recovered. Yeah, okay. So funny enough, the aplastic anemia I got diagnosed with was called severe aplastic anemia, which is already different from aplastic anemia because so like back in 1990, it wasn't a curable disease. So if you got it, you're dead pretty much. so with the technology that they have now and like they kind of figured out that it's it's a hematology disease a blood disease but it's wrapped up with oncology it's one of the only blood diseases that which cancer cancers it's one of the only oncology is cancer okay so it's the only like when i would stay at children's i was on the oncology floor so like and i got all the same like treatments procedures whatever all that kind of stuff so it's 
like I said, aplastics one in a million. I'm I was the first seventeen year old female girl, female girl. Yeah, for sure. I was the first seventeen year old female who was diagnosed in Canada ever. Um, there was another chick in America. I think there might have been two of them who were seventeen and they got diagnosed with aplastic anemia, but. Like generally, I think it's like 600 people a year get diagnosed and yeah, like um, with the treatment, there's two roads that you can go down for treatment. One of them's a bone marrow transplant, but you have to have an exact match. The only person who can be an exact match for you is a sibling because they can have the chance to share the exact same DNA with you. So my brother got tested. He wasn't a match. There's a one in four. Did I already say there's one in four chance that he could be matched? Okay, well, there's a one in four match that one of your siblings is, like, I only have one brother. So yeah. he got tested, he wasn't a match. And then they were like, okay, well, we're not going to go worldwide yet because that... Like can, worldwide to look for a match, is that what you To mean? look for a match, yeah. Because that can, if you do get bone marrow from someone else, you can get this thing called graft versus host virus, which basically means that the bone marrow that gets given to you will start attacking you and, you know... And that's a very risky procedure, right? Exactly. And that's, that's with every organ transplant is this thing called graft versus host. But I think for bone marrow, it's a little different because if it's like a liver or kidney or something like that, you know, it's like, I don't know this for sure, but this is kind of what they were prefacing to me. It was like, you know, bone marrow is everywhere. You can't just take it back out. Yeah you know, it's there. So like, we got to think about a localized organ. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I was kind of like, okay. Um, and I didn't really, when they, you know, ah, like that first conversation, when they sit you down with your parents and you're like, okay, this is what you have. This is what the next few months are going to look like this, that, the other, it was freaky. Like I was like, Oh, like, I don't like that. So like, I chose not to be a huge part of like the other, like the logistics and be like, so if she gets this, this might happen. This might happen. This is how she's going to react like this, this, this. And like all that kind of stuff. I was just like, no, I just want to do it how I'm going to do it. I don't want to know about what could happen because it'll just freak me out. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to like sit back and like let what happened happen. Tell my parents, sure, but I don't want to hear it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I got this treatment. This is the other way you can go. I got, um, I always forget, immunosuppressive therapy. Thank you. <laughs> and I, I got <laughs> It's called, it's like a serum. It's called anti-thymocyte globulin. Wow, um, and it's, worse. Yeah, hi, look at me go. ATG, I guess. Um, I-S-T-A-T-G. It's whatever. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, so I got, at the beginning of October, I got a thick line put into my arm, which is basically, um, it's a tube that goes in your vein to your heart near your pulmonary vein. So before this point, before you got the pick line, why did you get the pick line? Oh, okay. So basically a pick line is for, you don't need to get poked all the, that's what they call it, poked. So it's not like you're going to get a needle. Poked is just nicer. Um, So when you get poked all the time, they can draw blood from it. They can put the serum into it, which is nice. Uh, So it's like a permanent IV. So like a pick line can last for like six months. Um, they were also talking about maybe a central line, but a central line is more, more like serious, like straight to your. Heart? No, it's more permanent. Oh, I see. Like it, a central line is like you can shower really easily with it, and like, it's like it, it's underneath your skin. Yeah. So like you can feel it, like it, it's like a little circle, but like a needle goes in oh. to it, and it goes, it'll go straight to your. Heart. 
but getting the this dude I, I had to flush it every day and it goes boom it's there like I could when I would flush it I would like go kind of quickly because like if you flush it really quick you get like a salty taste in your mouth and I thought it was fun and by the end I was flushing it myself and like doing whatever and it was like really cool and stuff like that because I'm into that kind of stuff so it was like whatever but I still have that can you see the scar on my arm there uh, it's a tiny dot that's where they like fished it out yeah. from so but, just kind of a recap so there was the bone marrow transplant which you couldn't do because your mm -hmm. brother wasn't um a match and then mm -hmm. the immunosuppressive therapy is the one that your doctors would have rather like not do right because it has a lower chance of success yeah generally for younger people like myself and for people who have had who they they didn't know how long I'd had it for but they could like kind of tell by my chromosomes like there's um on the 23rd chromosome at the end of it they can tell the health of your bone marrow and mine was like pretty it was it wasn't bad it also wasn't great so they're like oh we think you've had it for this long it's been continuing like all the all that kind of stuff so wait what was your question oh I was just like connecting the dot for the listeners that um, the bone marrow transplant had higher rate of success. Oh, right, right. Sorry, just lost my train. Anyways, so the bone marrow transplant is like around 80%, 90%, closer to 90, it'll work and you'll be fully cured. And the thing with bone marrow transplant is you can be completely cured of aplastic anemia and it's gone. Yeah. But the thing with um, immunosuppressive therapy is that it's it's a broader spectrum so it's like 50 to 70 percent successful because it's so different and like so i just would always tell people 60 percent success and if it doesn't work you go on the worldwide marrow transplant list um yeah. so what does immunosuppressive therapy do it depresses your immune system okay, wow. so um <laughs> there you go so in order for my bone marrow to start working again they had to shut every like my friend told me this the other day my friend that's a nurse she explained it to me she's like this is what I would tell people it's like when you when your iPhone's glitching and you have to shut it off restart it and then turn it back on that's basically what had to happen to me and I think that was really clever of her and she just told me that like a few days ago I was like okay you could have told me that months ago because whenever I try to explain it to people I'm like um so the cuff like um I'm so it wasn't good um and I just can't really explain it that well but yeah, like a reboot to, to your system. A reboot to my system, exactly. So it was pretty scary at the beginning because the way that immunosuppressive therapy works. So thanks for joining us for this week's episode. Uh, next week, Sage will continue to share her story and what her life looked like in the months when she underwent immunosuppressive therapy. And in the episode after that, she'll share the lessons that she learned and how God played a huge role in helping her get through this difficult time. So I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and we'll see you next time.